Welcome to the ASC podcast, Cytopath Pod. Join special guests to highlight ASC activities in cytopathology education, advocacy, and research. Welcome, I'm Dr. Caitlin Sundling at the University of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin State Laboratory of Hygiene. I'm the social media editor for JASP. You can find our journal online at jascyto.org. In this podcast, we hope to bring you the latest cytopathology research in a format that's easy to listen to wherever you are, whether you're at the microscope, on your daily commute, or anywhere else you like to listen to podcasts. In this episode, I can't think of a better guest than Dr. Edmund Sebus. We have two of Dr. Sebus's recent publications to discuss. First, an editorial on the past, present, and future of cytology, and second, a quality improvement study on the use of dashboards in cytology, which I had the pleasure of being a co-author on. Dr. Sebus was born and raised in Boston, the son of Lithuanian immigrants. He graduated from Harvard College with a degree in chemistry and obtained his MD from Harvard Medical School. He completed pathology residency training at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston and a cytopathology fellowship at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Dr. Sebus joined the faculty at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in 1987 and served as director of cytology there for the past 32 years. An enthusiastic educator, Dr. Sebus was for many years the program director of the Cytopathology Fellowship at the Brigham and Women's Hospital. I had the distinct pleasure of completing my fellowship with Dr. Sebus, and there are so many wonderful things I could say about my time in training there, but I'll just say that Dr. Sebus conducts himself with a level of professionalism and kindness that inspires the people around him to achieve their best. Dr. Sebus is the author of the widely used textbooks, Cytology, Diagnostics Principles, and Clinical Correlates that's now in its fifth edition. Dr. Sebus's main research interests are thyroid cytology and quality improvement, and he is perhaps best known as co-editor of the Bethesda System for Reporting Thyroid Cytopathology. Dr. Sebus completed a term as president of the American Society of Cytopathology in, in 2017, and last year received the ASC's Pepe Nicolau Award. He's also a pianist, having studied and played since he was eight years old. He continues to play with much joy and satisfaction and with no regrets for choosing medicine over his early dream of a career as a concert pianist. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Sebus. Uh, thank you, Caitlin, for that introduction. And it's a great pleasure to be here today. Uh, I'll start from the beginning here. First, let's discuss your editorial entitled, We Are Minimally Invasive Diagnosis from the March-April issue of JASP. Can you tell us what changes have revolutionized the field of cytology in the last 10 to 20 years? Well, I'd like to step back even further, if you'll allow me, let's say 40 years to the early 1980s. Uh, as someone who can look back on 40 years of cytology history, I see a pattern of changes that have revolutionized cytology and most of them in positive ways. And this gives me a feeling of solid optimism for our profession. 40 years ago, um, there were no thyroid FNAs and look at our thyroid FNA volumes today. 30 years ago, it was not common practice for cytopathologists in the US to perform FNAs, and today it is. 
20 years ago, there was no endoscopic FNA of the pancreas. And 10 years ago, there was no EBAs. Cytology is constantly reinventing itself. I think that's definitely true. In the article, you emphasize the importance of going beyond thinking of ourselves as studying cells. Why do you think that's so important? And how do you think that can help shape the future of the field? Well, Caitlin, you'll remember from your fellowship year with me that I give an annual introduction to cytology talk to our first year pathology residents. I've been doing that for many years. When I first put this talk together, of course, I had to explain what cytology is uh, to these first year residents. And just saying that cytology is the study of cells seemed inadequate to me, uh, yet that's how most professional so uh, societies describe our profession. So in my editorial, uh, I pick on the ACGME, uh, but the truth is that virtually everyone, including our cytology societies, define our profession as the study of cells, but that's so vague. And that definition could be applied to other disciplines that study cells like cell biology and even surgical pathology. It doesn't do justice to cytology. Okay, so then what is cytology? On the surface, it's the diagnosis of PAPs, urine, sputum, fluids, and fine needle aspirations. Okay, yes, but what do these specimens, these very different specimens have in common? It's more than just cells. These samples are all obtained using minimally invasive sampling methods. So scraping, brushing, washing, aspirating, and peeing into a cup. By obtaining diagnostic samples like this, we're minimizing discomfort, morbidity, and even mortality. So for my intro to cytology talk, I came up with what I thought was a better definition of cytology, namely the diagnosis and study of disease by examining tissue and fluid samples obtained using minimally invasive methods. That's what all these familiar samples have in common and that's what separates us from surgical pathology and other disciplines. And there's something else. By moving away from the focus on cells, we acknowledge that cytology includes an evaluation of tissue fragments and architecture, not just individual cells. If the definition I just proposed seems wordy and a bit cumbersome, then we can say simply that cytology is minimally invasive pathologic diagnosis. In my editorial, I proposed this as a better definition of cytology. Now, you asked me how redefining cytology this way is going to shape the future of our profession. I'm not sure I can give you a satisfying answer, but I believe as we all do that minimally invasive diagnosis, in other words, cytology is here to stay and that the medical profession is going to find new ways to incorporate minimally invasive diagnosis into the care of patients who have cancer and infectious diseases. Why am, I, why am I making such a fuss about this? Words really do mean something. When we're describing something we care about, we wanna get it right so people appreciate what we do. The words we use to define our profession either convey the value of what we devoted our lives to or they don't. To say that 
we study cells isn't wrong, but it doesn't do us or our profession justice. Don't get me wrong, I, I love cells. Studying cells has been our heritage and will always derive so much joy from examining cellular samples. But when it comes to defining our profession, let's recognize and emphasize what's unique about our profession. I think that really wonderfully describes the, the value and importance of what we do. What inspires you most about the future of cytology? Well, looking back over the last 40 years, I'm just inspired by the Phoenix-like capacity that cytology has for reinventing itself, finding new applications the way it did for thyroid, pancreas, and most recently, mediastinum. I have no doubt that there will be new applications, and as a profession, we just need to be ready to embrace them. Thank you so much for these perspectives on the state and the current future of the field. Um, next, I wanted to move on to a little more specific application in quality improvement, which is your article on dashboards. Um, I was really grateful to participate in this work when I was a fellow with you, and I'm really glad that Dr. Katherine Horbeck carried the project forward. What inspired you to create dashboards for monitoring quality metrics in cytology? Well, like, like all lab directors, one of my responsibilities was uh, ensuring the competence of my cytopathologists uh, and cytotechnologists and providing feedback to them on their performance. For many years, I measured some of the well-established metrics of performance like the ASCUS to SIL ratio and provided feedback to them on a periodic basis, often annually, uh, in recent years, uh, tools have become available for the creation of dashboards that can provide access to data in a user-friendly and visually appealing fashion. Our hospital acquired the software called Tableau, uh, which enables one to create dashboards and made that uh, available to anyone free of charge, anyone who wanted to use it. Uh, so I was inspired to develop a cytology dashboard using the software that would allow uh, each cytotechnologist and cytopathologist in my lab confidential access to their uh, performance metrics um, with a user-specific access link. Uh, we published the work that we did in the latest issue of JASC where you can see screenshots of what these cytotechnologists and cyto pathologist dashboards look like. When, when can your staff access the dashboard and what, met, met, I'm gonna say this over again, okay. When can your staff access the dashboard and what metrics can they access? Our cytotechs and our pathologists can access their dashboard anytime they want, 24 seven. Um, they will see only their own results along with the laboratory averages for comparison. The dashboards uh, will show them a snapshot of the last three months, as well as data for the past 10 years. This allows the individual to see not only recent metrics, but also trends over a much longer period of time. The cytopathologist dashboards display two GYN metrics and one 
non-GYN metric, the ASCUS to SIL ratio, the percentage of high-risk HPV positive ASCUS interpretations, and the proportion of AUS thyroid interpretations. The cytotech dashboards include these three plus two others, the percentage of PAPs referred for pathologist review and the percentage of PAPs interpreted as unsatisfactory. Established professional benchmarks or standard deviations are used to set color-coded goal, borderline, and attention zones. Were there any challenges to implementing the dashboards? Um, there were. Uh, Caitlin, you were absolutely instrumental in getting this project off the ground uh, with the help of personnel from uh, our IT department. Um, perhaps you could tell us what you found most challenging about the implementation. Certainly. So um, with this, I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank Dr. Ryan Schmidt, who had provided a lot of a lot of input at the informatics side of the project. He'd been involved with Tableau implementations in other areas, and this was so helpful. Um, the initial processing of the data that came from the laboratory information system reports was a little bit challenging, but the great thing about, about that is that it really only has to be done once. Once you figure out um, the data that you really need in order to um, extract your quality metrics, once you have it all set up, it's, it's good to go. You don't have to um, do a lot of calculations and um, processing as, as might have been done um, with sort of manual reports and maybe data processing as some people may do it in Excel. So this is a great benefit to setting up these dashboards. And then the other aspect that was a little bit challenging but also kind of fun was settling on data visualization. We wanted something that would be user-friendly, user but also compact. Um, we wanted to make it easy for our cytotechnologists and cytopathologists to see multiple metrics at a glance, and also easy in the lab director view to, to view metrics across individuals. So as you know, we decided on these um, very linear um, but colorful bullet plots um, that, um, that allow you to condense a lot of metrics into a single page. So what have you and your staff found most useful about these dashboards? Well, I think the single most useful thing is just the ability to access their data confidentially whenever they want. So in the past, they had to rely on me to provide them with their data, either as hard copy or as an electronic communication. Uh, and sometimes that would not happen for another year or so. Uh, nowadays with the dashboards, um, whenever uh, they're on service or after they finished a week on service, um, at their own uh, leisure, whenever they have time, they can access these dashboards. Uh, there's no impediment for them uh, to do that. I think that that is simply the single uh, most useful thing about them, their accessibility. That's great. How do you see this approach evolving in the future? Well, I think additional metrics, uh, um, more than what we have currently, would give a more complete picture of individual performance. And these could be incorporated into the dashboards, but we wanted to begin with dashboards that were simple and user-friendly. 
there are so many additional measures that we could include, um, things like data from cytohistocorrelation, uh, concordance between the cytotechs and the pathologist's interpretation, in other words, the level of agreement between the cytotech and the pathologist, the high-risk HPV positivity rate rates, not just for ASCUS, which we have, but for nilum and nilumar PAPs, uh, and atypia rates for other non-GYN specimens like salivary gland FNA and urinary tract specimens. For training programs, uh, providing residents and fellows with access to data on their concordance, um, on the concordance of their interpretations with the final diagnosis, I think could be very helpful in fostering their personal improvement. Uh, and I'm sure um, there are others that I can't even think of right now, but I do think that these are uh, things that could certainly be added to flesh out the dashboards that we currently have. That's great. I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing the next steps and hopefully seeing more work on dashboards from, from the Brigham and hopefully from other groups in the future. Absolutely. It has Thank you. So um, it's been a great pleasure talking with you, Dr. Sebus. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. If you liked this podcast, we would appreciate you sharing it with a friend or colleague or sharing it on social media. You can find the articles discussed in today's podcast at jascyto.org. You can get in touch with me on social media on Twitter at the JASC journal handle. So it's J-A-S-C journal. Um, and don't forget to follow the American Society of Cytopathology on Twitter at Cytopathology. There, we're also on Facebook and on YouTube at Cytopath1951. Until next time, this is Dr. Caitlin Sundling signing off and wishing you an abundance of adequate samples and definitive diagnoses. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CytopathPod. You can reach ASC on Twitter at cytopathology or via email at asc at cytopathology.org.